0: all right all right hey 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 everybody welcome back to passions podcast the podcast where we talk about the soap opera passions i am your regular host latara back again with one of my favorite hosts definitely my favorite member of the gen z generation (laughs) my niece lanaya hey lanaya hi hi everybody and today we're in our rooms i didn't feel like setting everything up on the cat like at the couch in the living room like taking everything out there so i was like can we just zoom from our bedroom so she's just in the room next to me yeah i'm just across the way yep there's a wall separating us so like it when i let if i laugh really loud it might get picked up (laughs) on your you might you might hear it you know you might get a little instant replay yeah okay so this week before we get into the episode, gotta talk about some business. First and foremost, always first and foremost, I wanna give a big shout out to all of the patrons over on Patreon. Thank you to Munashe, Marcus, Brelin, Lisa, Sid, Randall, Hannah, Camelia, Samantha, Jeanette, Eric, Fantasia, Sean, S, Larissa, Maria, George Lopez, Fitzgerald, Lisa, and Jessica Jean. Thank you all so, 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 so much for being patrons. And remember if anybody out there is wanting to become a patron, you can just go over to patreon.com and slash passions podcast and sign up for whatever tier is agreeable to you. Also, everything that I'm like talking about today, like I have decided I've had a link tree for the longest time. And I don't know why I haven't just been putting the link tree in the description instead of like, (laughs) All of these different links and telling people where to go when I could just be like, you can find everything in this one place. So you can find all of the links at the link tree that is linked in the description. I said link a lot, but um, y'all get it anyway. So that's where you can find the Patreon, where you can find merch. Huh? Look, I got my passions podcast. Yeah, look at that merch. Yeah, and um, all the social media and tip jar, everything. All right, so that's the business done okay so let's get into these episodes this week we this week we watched episodes 506 through 510 correct those are the ones you watched yes i mean we watched them together so yeah, we watched them together we were we were both there <laughs> yeah so um i think we should where should we start this week we didn't talk about this before but i think we should start this week Let's start with Shuis. cause and last week was the same where they had the bulk of the action or the storytelling, yeah. and everybody else was just very secondary, so we're going to go ahead and start with, we're going to start with the two of them. Um, Yeah, this was a, it was a week where I definitely got, I was proud of Sheridan, and I said this last week, I'm not accepting any Sheridan slander. Like yeah, she's doing so good for herself in these episodes, like I'm really proud of her. Considering her upbringing and the circumstances, I just, I just won't accept the the Sheridan slander. Even though, I mean, I, I that doesn't mean that I won't give her a critique or two, from time to time. The temps on temps, okay? Oh yeah, definitely. But no Sheridan slander from from now on until further notice. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into this. We pick up where Alistair has gone to see Sheridan at the cottage because he's ready to get his little claws into her and manipulate her need and want of his love for him, right? And um, she immediately doesn't believe that he's there to see her. Like, she immediately... um, is like I can't believe my eyes. I don't believe that you you didn't have anything to do with what Julian did because that's when he comes in and saying I I came here. Because As soon as I found out what horrible, that horrible, heinous thing that Julian did to you. And he just scapegoats Julian entirely and says that Julian's the reason, the person who came up with the imposter plot, he knew nothing about it. He said he came to comfort her once he found out what had happened. He said, you're my daughter, Sheridan, and I love you so very, so, so very much. It was just too much. much. It was too much and it was horrible. Yeah, like, just the... First of all, the fact that he thought that she was stupid enough to fall for something like that when it's obvious that um, he was the one that orchestrated that because later on, she even says that Julian doesn't do anything without your permission. So obviously you were the one that was behind all of this. Well, she is not buying it. Kudos to Sheridan. Immediately she is not buying which of course she shouldn't that is so plausible that she he will come in at this time and she would be like mm, no i don't believe you so she's not buying it she doesn't believe that that he didn't have anything to do with this um plot and he says that's that that's understandable this is the the angle he starts playing he's like oh it's understandable i have failed you time and time again and that i was wrong to put business over family and i'm i'm back to make amends he, like, he is just laying on this false guilt. Like, he feels guilty for all of the wrong that he's ever done to her. And and he's kind of trying to apologize, which you and I both know is bullshit. Yeah, it's funny. but But he really lays it on so thick. And she says to him, you can't just walk in here and erase a lifetime of hurt. Yes. You can't yeah. just you can't just come in here and erase a lifetime of hurt that is so true and she says it's over i will never forgive you and don't try to insult my intelligence by saying you knew nothing about the imposter plot because i know you never wanted me with Luis, and that julian doesn't do anything without your permission Mm -hmm. he continues though he doubles down he he says um i swear on your mother's grave which if you naya knew what i knew about their mother and his relationship with Catherine, you would know that that was just foul as fuck <laughs> like it has so much narrative way for him to say something like that it's just foul it's just foul he's so and it's gross just, it's so disgusting that on top of that like he tries to spin a narrative where he tries to change it to where It wasn't that I didn't love you or that I was cruel towards you. I did love you. I just never showed it. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) Like... It's like, well, then how would I know that you love me if you don't show me or tell I me? I just left you in Paris because I was grieving about your mother. Like, like, for for 10 years? I didn't read any of your letters because I was just too sad. I didn't show up <laughs> to your funeral because I didn't want to cry in front of other men. That was, like, really nice hitting all of the points. These are all things he said to <laughs> her, basically. Um, yeah, he he doubles down, and he says that he was wrong, And that Julian wanted to get rid of her, wanted um, her to, okay, he says that the reason Julian put this whole plot together with the imposter is because uh, Julian wanted her to break off her engagement and run back to Paris because he knew that Alistair was considering making Sheridan his heir that's what he says to her he was he found out that I was considering making you my heir and it is at this point that Sheridan starts to kind of soften a little bit and we were both like no ma'am no no don't do it don't do it no it looked like she was taking the bait for a minute there it really did and um he, she says, you were thinking of making me your heir? And he's like, sure, why not? Times have changed. Women can sit in positions of power. Even though we've heard this man be so horrifically misogynistic towards all women, but especially towards his daughter. Like, he, there was a point where he specifically talked about how he couldn't make Sheridan his heir because she was a woman. Just awful things. It's like, he is saying all of the opposite things to what he really truly believes and the fact that he is even capable of that is scary it really is like he's just so like he's able to just so effortlessly lie through his teeth now he does he does have a little bit of a physical reaction when he starts talking about uh louise, louise. Like, yeah <laughs> he, he can't even lie right because you see his fist starting to ball up like he can't yeah, help no. himself. he absolutely does he says um that he wants her to marry Luis if that's what she wants and if that's what will make her happy and he like yeah he tenses (laughs) up and pulls his fists back like it it was weird and um he she starts to falter again like just hearing him say that he wants her to be happy makes her weak in the knees oh bless her little heart i feel so bad for sheridan um and then she says to him, I want to believe you and I want to believe that you love me, but I can't. And he says, if I've been stern with you, it's because I've been concerned about your happiness. That was the most egregious line, I think. And that that doesn't was make any sense. Well, because it's not that he's even been stern with her. It's not it's he's been absent.
1: He's, he's not been even been with
0: her. He—it hasn't even been that he's been stern with her. He has not acknowledged her fucking existence. He didn't come to her funeral. Like I don't care what somebody says to me. If they didn't show up to my funeral, we're done. That's it. No amount of words can make you mean, I mean anything to me. In normal circumstances, it wouldn't matter. We'd be dead, right? We're done. But let me catch you in heaven or hell. <laughs> <laughs> well in the event that for some reason i had a funeral but i wasn't actually dead i don't even know i don't (laughs) even know what that plot is even about oh yeah you don't you (laughs) don't know what happened do you no i don't know what happened oh my god i just thought it was a passions ism sheridan what no she had a real funeral they thought she was dead sheridan was kind of dead honestly um they these hitmen from paris came to harmony and that's a whole other plot that i'm not going to get too too deep into i'm just going to give you the bullet points here but these hitmen from paris came to harmony to kill sheridan because she was able would be able to identify them in court because they were like drug dealers or some bullshit, and um they basically murdered her but she was working with the the fbi she was working with the fbi and they basically faked her own death but that went horribly awry and she actually did kind of die in the coffin so like they were having this funeral for her they buried her her they buried her alive nobody knew what was going on except for like hank and then hank got detained and couldn't get to the the Funeral in time to, like, get her dug up. She, I, Louise finally figured out that something was wrong and started digging her up. Um, and then they uh, took her to the hospital. But, and she came back to life. There was, like, a whole, like, an, Of course, you can imagine there was, like, an angel involved. And, uh, <laughs> like... Awful. But, yeah, no, Sheridan had a, a real funeral. She was truly dead uh, for all intents and purposes. Everybody thought she was dead, his, her family included. So... And yet, her father didn't even care. Didn't bother to come to a funeral. Probably was celebrating. Honestly, he really was. He really he wasn't celebrating, but he was like, "Oh well, that's that was really his like." He was like, "Well, that solves my problem." Oh well, mm. he did not care at all. Um. So anyway, yes, Sheridan says she wants to believe him, but she can't. Um, He says, if I've been stern with you, it's because I've been concerned about your happiness. And it's like like I just said, you haven't been, you haven't been, it'd be different if he had been in her life and he had just been like a strict father. And that's what we were talking about. And he would have a little bit of a leg to stand on that he was like strict with her because he loved her. There's a lot of parents who say that bullshit. But you, sir, simply did not care about her. You literally shipped her off to Paris and never gave a thought towards her ever again she talks about how she wrote him letters that he never responded to like he he could never come to anything she could he could never answer the phone for her so anyway um then she says sheridan sheridan says i know my brother and i know that he would never have done this without you alistair says that he became a loose cannon after Ethan's whole paternity debacle. So now he's like pl- blaming all of this on Ethan a little bit too, saying like, well, when he found out that Ethan wasn't a crane, he lost his mind and he became a loose cannon because he was afraid that I would make you my heir instead of him, which doesn't actually make sense when you think about it. And Sheridan sees through it. She sees through it. She's and then he, smart. She is smart. I mean, like I've said before, this lady can fly airplanes. She has a black belt in karate. She speaks multiple multiple languages. Like she she's not a dumb lady. She's not stupid. And on top of that, she's had to learn how to love herself. Because, because nobody her else did. did yeah. yeah. Because nobody else did. And we've lear- we've watched Sheridan learn to love herself. And I, I love that for her. And it's kind of crazy because not he didn't acknowledge it in a way that was actually like genuine but even alistair like he it, like he even says that like, he does yeah yeah like one of the few true things he actually said like he she learned how to love herself because nobody else was around to love her mm-hmm. and that she doesn't need him or anybody any of them anyway so, mm-hmm. yeah. um so alistair keeps telling more and more lies he says you and julian are the reason for everything i do and but cranes should never turn on each other the way that julian turned on you and i am done with him and um then he says the thought of you being unhappy for the rest of your life without the man you love is a dagger in my heart sheridan a dagger in my heart that's a direct quote that is a direct quote Funny, But for all the wrong reasons, it was so dramatic, too. I mean, I think he was just laying it on a little too thick. I think if he had pulled back, I think if he had pulled back when she didn't believe him, like the second time, like about the the air stuff, if he had pulled back and was like, all right, I'm going to leave and and let it let it marinate with her for a little bit. I think he could have gotten her. But because he wanted because Julian is the ty- not Julian, because Alistair is the type of man who wants what he wants and he wants it now, he didn't have the patience to truly lay out a a well thought out mind manipulation, (laughs) right? Like he tried. He didn't let it marinate long enough. He wanted it too quick and that was the downfall. Yeah. Anybody who's ever gone to school with middle school girls knows that you really, if you're going to play with somebody's mind, it has to, it, it happens over a long period of time. Like, it doesn't yeah. just, it's not just one day. It's you got to do the long day. con. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't just lay it all out there at one time. Yeah. So, anyway. um Okay. Uh, he talks about how you thought that you Ju- you probably thought that Julian was more important to me than than you because i had to devote considerable time to him and then basically says but i had to do that because he's a fuck up and also let's just <laughs> remind everybody that Julian and Rebecca are listening in on this entire conversation because they have the listening device that Alistair uses to listen in on everybody so um so yeah he he the entire time He's just talking mad shit about Julian. Yeah, like this just turns into like a like a Julian roast session or something like that, and he's getting butt hurt too. Like he's like, "Do you really have to say those things, Father?" But you know what? It's not anything he hasn't said to Julian's face. True is <laughs> the thing. Is not any worse than anything he's ever said to Julian face-to-face yeah, or over he's definitely the phone. Not, he's definitely not afraid to pull any punches when it comes to his son or his daughter or anyone. Yeah, he he really is very abusive. I don't like this man. Um, So she asks him why he didn't come to her funeral. And he says that he didn't want to break down in front of everyone because he would appear weak. And so he had to grieve in private. And when he found out she was dead, he went out of his mind. mm This doesn't even make any sense. What kind of excuse is that? Come to the funeral. Come to the funeral. Uh, and we, I mean, we, I know we just talked about this, but, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? That's the craziest shit. You don't go to your kid's funeral? Because you didn't want to cry? Mm make it make sense he's disgusting um so he then tells her that he's excited for her to have children oh my gosh he starts talking about um how he's so excited that she's gonna have children and he'll be the proud grandpa and be able to bounce them on his knee and he says to her i came home to save you sheridan but I'm proud to see you've made it on your own. You don't need me, not after all the times I failed you. I don't blame you for not believing me. I don't deserve it. I just know that I wish, I wish you all the happiness in the world. I'm just your loving father and I've made some mistakes. I just, this triggered me. <laughs> it triggered me. Um, so- well, it's just so disgusting yeah so in the midst of all of this happening at the cottage louise is at the the police station very happy that sheridan has seen the light when it came to her brother and her father because you know they figured out the imposter fl- plot the the imposter plot. <laughs> <laughs> they figured out the imposter plot and then Hank come. I this is just a quick aside. Hank comes in and asks for a job, and Luis is like, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "Does he in. not have to go to the fucking academy?" Not in Harmony. Hank says, "You know, after working with the FBI, oh, he brings up the whole Sheridan thing, the her dying thing in that scene. He says after working with the FBI to catch the the cartel members um, who tried to kill Sheridan, um, that he found that." police work is his calling and he he wants to be a uh an officer at the harmony pd um but yeah y'all not does he not have to get trained go to the academy nothing Mm-mm. they just let any old person just waltz in there and ask for a job and the same day they're a cop it certainly seems that way so <laughs> anyway while they're talking hank louise is telling hank bringing him up to speed on everything with the imposter and everything and then louise gets a phone call from pilar who has gone to the mansion and heard alistair's voice and is like oh my god this the the monster's back in town and she double checked with another maid like is mr is alistair crane here and the maid's like yes he arrived last night and so she calls, she calls Luis and says, Brace yourself, Mijo. Alistair Crane is here in harmony. I loved it. I loved that line. Yeah, Brace honestly, yourself, Mijo. Alistair Crane is back here in harmony. Um, and so he and Luis immediately tries to call Sheridan. And he can't get her on the phone because Alistair doesn't let her answer the phone. She hears the phone ringing. She's excited by this point. By this point, she's like excited that um, Alistair is saying all of these things. She hears the phone ringing. She's like, that's probably Louise. I'm, I want to tell him that the two of you can like bury the hatchet and tell him all the great things that you're being, you've been saying. And Alistair's like, oh, no, dear, don't answer the phone. You can call him back later. He can call back later. You can talk to him later. Massive red flag. Massive oh, my flag. God. He stops her. And she and she doesn't answer the phone. And honestly, I think that's when Sheridan came to her senses a little bit. The fact Because that, if you were genuine about what you were saying, why would you stop me from telling my fiance about this great news? The fact that she realized that he didn't want her to talk to Louise, And i think she came to her senses a little bit and but continued to play along um well i don't know because then she asked him to walk her down the aisle so maybe she didn't come to her senses. i don't know when she came to her well, senses. maybe, maybe she, she was playing him the whole time i don't know because like why would she say that to butter him up because she know, like because he hates louise you know so uh, yeah, i don't i don't know what you're saying what are you saying like if she was still like playing along at that point why would she bring up the walking like why why would she bring up walking um him walking her down the aisle because well he, because she's just playing along to what the bullshit he's saying yeah i guess that's true because he claims that he doesn't care and he he wants her to right. be happy now yeah, and she says that what would make her happiest is if that he if he walked her down the aisle and if that sh- if he and Louise could put everything behind them and Sheridan tells him that they're getting married right away and cuz he says basically he agrees to walk her down the aisle, right? Yeah. And then he says, "Oh dear, that's going to put a real kink in my plan." She's mm-hmm. like, "What plan, father?" Maybe this is where she figured it out. She says, what plan, father? And he says, well, I wanted it to be a surprise, but I, w- I really had my heart set on you and I taking a father-daughter trip to Europe for a few weeks. Mm. Mm. I'm sorry. I know, I know there's, but like, even if people who have the nicest daddies in the world, fathers that you love, I'm sorry. I love my daddy. I have no, no, zero, absolutely none <laughs> desire really no desire <laughs> to spend 3 weeks in europe with my daddy i don't doing Do what i'm sorry i lo- i love that man but i just what are we what are, what i just oh my god i i just don't see it for us so Not i can imagine I, I can't imagine being in Europe for three weeks with a man who you grew up feeling like he hated you. Mm-mm. And then on top of that, he mentions Paris, the place that she probably has so much trauma around. Like, I wouldn't want to go back there ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I was staying in this boarding school where I felt so alone, I'm sending out letters to my dad and he's just throwing them in the paper shredder. And then. Then yeah. some assassins come and try to kill me and I get buried alive. They they were also from Paris. Like, I don't I'm oh, no I'm never going back. I agree. <laughs> you you make a very good point. <laughs> Why would she ever want to go back to Paris? And another thing that you don't know is that Princess Diana, you know who Princess Diana is? Like the real Princess Diana? Yeah, the real Princess oh, Diana. Okay, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Princess Diana, in this show, we are meant to believe that. Sheridan and Princess Diana were best friends. And Princess Diana died in Paris. That was that's like that was like a big plot point at the beginning of the show that Sheridan was scared that she was gonna die like Diana died in like that tunnel. And they had they Diana, did right. like a car crash and everything. It was ridiculous. Um but yeah, no, I wouldn't want to go back to Paris. You were absolutely right. the yeah, t- only bad things happen in Paris. Uh, apparently thought <laughs> I'm I told i did not need to go to Paris. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he wants to go to Paris with her. She she wants to go. She's like, if only you had come in here sooner, but we get married right away. Then Luis shows up to the cottage, but he doesn't go in. And you and I had different feelings on this. Yeah. Because he's watching through the window. And at first, and Hank's with him too. He's walking through the, watching through the window and at first he's uh, ready to go in and like beat up Alistair and tell him to get the hell out and save Sheridan from Alistair. And that is what you wanted to happen, right? Because so far throughout the show, it didn't seem like Sheridan was capable of, you know, realizing that her family don't care about her. But I agreed in t- 100% with what Luis decided to do, which was to stand there and wait. He said this is something Sheridan has to figure out on her own. And I 100% agree because I don't care if you tell me, for instance, I ha- my family is my family, right? So... Somebody outside my family can tell me all day long based on what they're seeing, oh, they don't like you. They don't care about you. They don't like you. They don't care about you. But until I see it for myself, it doesn't matter. That's my family, right? So he says this is something Sheridan's got to figure out on her own. She has to be the one to face the cold, hard fact that her father never loved her and never will. And so they stand outside and wait. And it I, I was I was all for it. I was like, yes, giving him, giving him my girl autonomy, letting her figure it out for herself. And she did. She got there. She got there. She, she fooled me. She even tricked me. I really I really thought for a minute that she was gonna just go to Europe. I thought but, she was gonna postpone the wedding. I, I wrote yes. that. I said Sheridan is faltering and may postpone the wedding. And then she's, but then I said, but then she says, no, Father, I'm not going with you. You've just given me the best gift. Now I know what you think of me. You must have this cottage wired. You must have heard me and Luis talking and heard me telling him that I would do anything for your love. You are disgusting. Ooh, yes, girl. Yes, girl. She said, I didn't think anyone could stoop lower than Julian. And now I know he didn't do that alone because he doesn't do anything without your permission. And she just keeps going off she tells him he might as well go back to europe or wherever the hell he spends his time because she can see right through him i mean she is going off on him i i I loved it i wish i was able to write everything down but i was also so enthralled in the in the moment that i really was like wanting to watch her Get, just give Julian the fucking business. Not Julian, Alistair. Giving Alistair the business. I wanted her to, I wanted to watch it. And uh, so she's going off on him and then he grabs her arm really violently. That, That was scary. Yeah, and he says, now listen to me. You will never marry that low life sleuth from the wrong side of the tracks. And then Luis busts through the door and he grabs Sheridan, pulls Sheridan away from him and holds her. And then Sheridan in- introduces Luis and Hank to Alistair. She's like, Father, I'd like to introduce my, the love of my life, Luis and Hank. <laughs> and, it was such a great scene. It was so great. Like, no, I just loved it. It was so good, especially when Alistair tries to leave and Luis physically pushes him and says... Um, he ca- and he calls him a loser. He called him loser, loser. <laughs> oh, <buddy. laughs> he, he called him a loser more than once because Al- Alistair says, are you out of your mind? I'm one of the most powerful and influential. And, and Luis inter- interrupts him and says, losers in the world. <laughs> Just ate him up. Listen. Do do this with me. Say say I'm one of the most powerful in, 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 and influential. I'm going to interrupt you. We're going to act it out. Okay, okay. Uh what are you saying? I'm one of the most powerful and influential losers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and that he deserves, so honestly. I wish I could have seen the look on his face, but he doesn't have a face right now. He again. doesn't have a face. That's right. We're only we're still only seeing Alistair's torso. And his hands are putting in work when it comes to the acting (laughs) he's just emoting with his hands right now because that's all he's got at this point oh god he's just a loser who acts with his hands oh my god yeah that was your son what to do that might have been my favorite that might have been my favorite moment of the week i cracked up number one and number two it was just so satisfying for somebody to finally interact with alistair who other than julian um and really not seeing people kowtow to him you know it was really nice and that they're not afraid of him so um alistair finally does leave after sheridan says that she doesn't want him walking her down the aisle anymore and she says goodbye father and he leaves and he immediately tells Rebecca and Julian who have like scurried over there. Cause Julian's like, we need to get over there and calm father down. Like he's gonna be pissed. We need to get over there and try to call him, calm him down. Because to Julian's credit, he hates all of this. He's not into it. He, he understand on one level is like, yeah, we need to keep Luis from finding out what happened to his father. But on the other level, I don't want to have to do all of this horrible stuff to my sister. He uh, so and he doesn't he doesn't want Sheridan hurt, like physically hurt. I mean but emotionally he's time. he's fine with, but physically. And and also like he didn't care for the the all the lying that his dad was doing. He was like, "Wow, father is Well, he was like father is masterful, like he was giving like the play by play as if they were doing like a like that like he was on Sports Center and they were like watching basketball or something. He was like, yeah. "Here comes the part where father's gonna hook her in, and here's the here's the final nail in the coffin." It was giving sportscaster. It was. Um. So Alistair leaves, and Julian and Rebecca are outside, and he looks at them and says, "Sheridan must be killed." That's all he says. That's it. Sheridan must be killed it's it's done it's a it's a it's a done deal because yeah at one point julian before they got over there julian was like my sister just signed her death warrant like that that's it that's it that's it um so they go back to the they go back to the mansion and Alice is talking about, like, what they're going to do. He doesn't tell them what the plan is, but he tells them that they are the ones who have to carry it out and that they need to stay close because they're going to murder Sheridan soon. And Rebecca multiple times tries to, like, excuse herself. She's like, oh, this is family business. You don't need me here. I shouldn't be here. And... Just slowly trying to inch away from the yeah, murder and... plot. Alistair tells her that she must help Julian kill Sheridan or else she cannot marry Julian. That, that's what he says. Um, then later, Luis gets the debugging device and he finds all the bugs around Sheridan's cottage and um, gives, sends a message to Alistair. I can't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? I didn't write it down. It was it basically called him a loser again. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he like, like you've lost, we've won. You
1: know, yeah, and then he's not gonna stop our it.
0: wedding. But here's the thing: this is Alistair's house. All of this is Alistair's land, his house. Like move out if you really want to be out from under his thumb. Don't live in the cottage, Sheridan. I don't know why she's still living there. Yeah, you get a job, babe. I'm sorry. Like th- you're gonna have to get a job yeah that's the only way you're gonna be able to be free from him you have to be physically emotionally financially free independent. yeah she's gonna have to get a job um and move out of the cottage like if he could bug it once he can bug it again yeah he could just come when you're not around and then rebug the cottage or yes. just kick you out yeah but he i don't see him kicking her out he wants to maintain a certain level of control that's true you know Um, So, yeah, they debug the whole cottage. And Alistair says to Julian that Luis is going to suffer so much, he'll wish he had been murdered, too. So, Mm. we learn that their plan is to poison Sheridan's wedding ring. It's a dumb plan. Don't care for it. Don't think it's going to work out. I'm not going to talk very much about it because I know that this doesn't work. Um, Yeah, their plan is to poison the wedding ring. The rings come Julian puts some poison on one of the rings. The jeweler takes the ring to um, the the church where they're having their rehearsal wedding. They call they call it the rehearsal wedding. I've always called it a rehearsal dinner because hmm. you rehearse the wedding and then you have dinner. It's a rehearsal oh, dinner. Could... Oh, yeah. I haven't been to enough weddings to really know how it works. We did one when Mama got married. We had a rehearsal dinner. We ate. You're- Mm-hmm. You remember uh-huh. we, um, we did the rehearsal and like I was getting real pissed off because everything was so stupid. You remember that? I think I do remember you getting upset. Everything was so dumb. I was like, "Who is the wedding planner? Why isn't every anything set up the way it's fucking supposed to be? Like this is ridiculous." And so then I had to fix everything because I'm a fixer. <laughs> Weddings. Oh, uh, so yeah whatever alice and julian like sneak over to the church like the goons they are to try and watch because alice is like dead set on watching sheridan die yeah, julian's like so i don't want happy this happy about this like i remember like uh at one point julian says like you're acting like this is a broadway play and he's like it's better than a broadway play it's free and i was like oh what in the world I mean, like did you not pay for the poison like it's not free yeah, it's not free. Also, it's horrible. Also, your daughter is dying and you don't seem to care at all. He's a sociopath. He's psychotic. I whatever the worst possible per type of like mental psychosis you can have, he's got it. Do you know what mm. I mean? He's horrible. He's not human. He's not a person. He's a monster. He's a character that they wrote for this show. I like who acts like that? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully that type of person doesn't exist. Hopefully it don't get that bad. Cause that, Seriously. It's just awful. Alright, well, let's let's move on. We don't have much more to talk about. I don't have much. I, mean, I got these faded couples.
1: And got I got a little bit for... with magic.
0: I remember writing a bunch for something something else. Well, there's like a good little bit for magic. Um, yeah, I don't have much. I did stop taking notes, though. <laughs> I just gave up at one point. I was just, like doing my canoodle. I was just, like, I'm not, I refuse. Because <laughs> the last two episodes, like the first three episodes, had like a lot going on. Then the plot kind of started to stagnate a little bit towards the what last What plot? Three episodes. What plot? Nobody was making any sense. It felt like none of the sentences that anybody said <laughs> made any sense. I was like, what are we talking about? But anyway, let's um let's get into these faded couples first. Let's talk about Chad and Whitney oh yeah exactly exactly and honestly he's really working a nerve like i don't i don't have a lot to say here like i have notes but i just i'm so annoyed by this whole plot point that i'm having a hard time i'm gonna have a hard time talking about it so um kay asks we we pick up and simone is still unconscious at the hospital Right. So let's pick up with that. And okay. it's Kay. Kay is visiting her at the hospital. And she said, probably my favorite line of the the whole show. No, not my favorite line, because my favorite line was that they were losers. Like the losers line was just hilarious. <laughs> but but Kay says to unconscious Simone. Oh, Simone, why did you get hit by a car? I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. It's not why like she ran get, out in front of the car. Why did you get hit by a car? I mean, she did stumble out there, but like... And she had time to move, but you know. She, she was in shock. Whatever. We're going to we're gonna give Simone this. She gets um, a pass for this, I guess. Yeah. And then she just recaps our current theory about how Simone got hit by the car, which is that Chad she saw Chad and Whitney kissing, and she was so distraught that she got distracted and got hit by a car. And that all of this is Whitney's fault. And so Somehow. we get more and more recap about the Simone situation. Teresa then tries to convince Whitney that she she says this to her. She says she's letting herself get carried away and that ending what she has with Chad will only hurt him and won't help Simone. And I was like, that's my girl. That's yeah. my favorite lovable lunatic right there. Because honestly, that's some true, smart, concise not, like I was so I loved that she didn't bring in like it's fate when you and Chad belong together. She was just like yeah. no, like Chad loves you, you love Chad, and if you break it off with Chad, he's gonna be hurt and he's not gonna go to Simone. So Simone's it's not gonna help Simone in any way. Yeah. It was just it was just such rational, such a such a a rare moment of clarity from our favorite <laughs> Teresa, my favorite anyway. I shouldn't speak for other people, but um anyway, um so I loved that. And I I clung to that over the these episodes where yeah Whitney breaking things off with Chad hurts Chad and does not help Simone because Chad doesn't want to be with Simone right it's a net loss either way for everybody yeah like- I do now I do understand I also want to be clear that I also understand where um where Whitney is coming from I absolutely get it especially in the moment where simone first wakes up i understand that now it does start to get a little eh, she starts to go a little bit too far as we go further but when she first wakes up i understand how she couldn't bring herself to tell the truth because honestly i don't know if i could in that situation now would i let it get that far no but if for some reason i got teleported into her body and i had to like say that then yeah i probably would lie too yeah i i i respect whitney's initial response i respect it like you said as things go as things move along and progress it gets a little harder to defend so simone wakes up and whitney is sitting right there and with simone doesn't remember what happened and oh And TC and Eve are there. You made a comment about where are TC and Eve. And this is like the only appearance they make. This is the only scene where they show up. I don't even know if TC has any lines. I know that Eve says something, but I don't think TC actually even says anything. I don't (laughs) think so either. And it's funny because once you pointed it out, I was like, yeah, why wouldn't they constantly be by Simone's side? Even if she did just wake up. Like she just woke up from getting hit by a car. Wouldn't you want to be at the hospital with your kid? They all—they yeah. just were like, "Okay, she's up. Oh, she's awake. All right, let's fuck off now. Let's go back yeah, to let's, her, her. let's drop out of the plot. Like, yeah, back to our other bullshit. I, like, yeah. So, um, everybody's so excited that Simone wakes up. She's worried that she has amnesia because she doesn't remember what happened to her. Eve says that it's just short-term memory loss, and sh- she will get her memory back. Um, and she says, I do remember something once the, her parents la- Her parents leave. Like, she wakes up, and her parents just leave. Like, where are you going that's more important than your daughter who just woke up from a coma? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What? Like what 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 is that important? And Eve can't even use the excuse, oh, I gotta go to my job. You work there. Yeah. You work here, ma'am. <laughs> your job is right here next to your daughter. Yeah. So and I think I think they'll be okay with you taking a couple of days off. Also, TC works at the school. All the kids are at the hospital. So like I don't know what I don't know what he would possibly where he would possibly be going either. He's just gonna be sitting in an empty room. He's going back to hang out in his murder shed. Do you know about his shed? Murder shed. He has a shed behind their house that nobody knows what's in it. He keeps it locked, and he won't talk about what's in it. That's like serial killer type stuff. Yeah, what? yeah. Is is he is that for Julian or something? Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> we that found out about issues. it. I think we found out about it in like two thousand four. I think it's uh, it takes until 2004 till we figure out what's in the shed and they don't they haven't brought it up in a very long time like they brought it up and then just we just never talked about it again yet another drop pl- plot line well so they pick it back later. up in 2004 that's the thing you'll think a plot line has been dropped and then they bring it up five years later that's so crazy well <laughs> yeah. you know what it's rewarding the long-term fans True. The ones that were remembered you know the most random plots that just seemed to have disappeared but then came back very true okay so uh, someone wakes up her parents say hey girl glad you will wake and leave and then <laughs> and then she looks at whitney and says you know i do the only thing i remember i keep remembering this dream i had and it was you and chad kissing and then she says, "But there's no way I could have seen you and Chad kissing, right, Whitney?" And of course, Whitney lies to Simone and says, "Um, no. I I I no, you didn't see that." And Simone says, "I knew I was the only girl Chad loved." Chad overhears this convo from like the hallway and he's hurt by Whitney's response, understandably so. Yeah. But I also understand why Whitney lied to her in that moment. Yeah, these two ideas are kind of coexisting; like they both make sense. She's in for a hard each position. respective person. She's in a really hard position. I, 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 I do sympathize. I don't know that I will be able to like break my sister's heart as soon as she wakes up from a coma. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, like you, you know? didn't think she'd ever wake up again. You know, so you know randy was in a coma remember oh yeah he was in a coma my brother was in a coma and i can't imagine like him waking up from it and me like telling him giving him bad news yeah i remember when he woke gonna... up and i was so glad that he woke up that i i remember his breath smelled really bad <laughs> Ooh. i guess that and makes I... sense I haven't brushed your teeth in a while but i was just so happy that he like woke up i could never Mm-mm. I like. I'm just think putting myself in a position. That I, no, I don't think I could have. It's like, impossible. You just if I do was it. Whitney, that I could put myself in that position. You gotta work yourself up to that later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or I, that I could. That I don't know that I could tell her. I could bring myself to tell her, right then at that moment. Yeah. Now, what I probably would have told her is, I probably wouldn't have been like, of course not. Chad and I would never kiss because that's basically what she said. I probably been like. You know what? You're tired. Maybe you need to get a little bit of rest. I'm going to go get you something to drink. Like I would deflect. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Whitney's issue is that she lays it on way too thick. She's like, "Oh, I would never even think about kissing Chad. I've been too busy playing tennis to even think about boys. He's less than nothing to me." But like, okay, girl, like we get it, but you don't have to go that far. It's He's disgusting. Far boys are gross. <laughs> Girls go to college to get more knowledge. Boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Yeah, yeah she, right. she really lays it on so thick. <laughs> and, um, so uh, after all of this, because Teresa is there for this, Teresa gives Whitney a very stern talking to about love. And she tells her, everybody gets one great love, Whitney. And you're throwing yours away so you know we we have I, I gave her props for her rational mind earlier and now i'm taking a little bit of that back because girl shut the hell up with this the fog Everybody is coming back in only one great love and that's not true girl Yeah, that's not true i mean you know what maybe it's true i don't know what do i know about love what is love baby don't hurt <laughs> me don't hurt, don't hurt me, me no more Look at you. You know that one? Yeah. And I have to know at least one of them, you know? Broken clocks and all. <laughs> okay, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Love, love. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, So you remember when Whitney's mom, uh, Eve, was talking? Well, I guess Whitney and Simone's mom. But they were talking and she was like, um, yeah, like you and Simone are just so close. And like when I was thinking about that, I was like, they're close. They're friends? They seem Eve... more like enemies to me. Like <laughs> especially in these later these recent episodes, like they they definitely are not as close as you would But maybe Eve thinks they're really close. I think Simone is extremely jealous of Whitney for good reason considering the fact that her parents just ignore her. Yeah, like... because Like Whitney is like the star child or whatever. And then Simone is just kind of there. Like she's probably like in the family pictures, she's probably like half cut off. Like you can't even tell like she's really there. Like that's basically what she's like. Yeah, they treat, they definitely treat her almost like she doesn't exist. Like they do not bring her up regularly. TC and Eve will be having conversations and they only talk about Whitney, about their when they talk about like children and they only bring up how great Whitney is. And you know what? Maybe that's why she clings to Chad the way she does. It 100% is I you weren't around for the earlier episodes, but when Chad came to town, she Simone saw Chad first. That's part of the reason she feels like she like called dibs on him basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she like fell for him immediately. And she was like, I just want this one thing. Whitney can have everything else. She can be the perfect child. She can be the tennis star. She can be the perfect student. She can do, I I want this one thing that's just for me that I don't have to share with Whitney. And so, yeah, th- there's, uh, there's some stuff there, some history yeah. there, you Whitney know, Whitney is kind of a tragic, I mean, not Whitney, Simone is kind of a tragic character in a way no she absolutely is yeah she absolutely is um so uh, teresa gives whitney that stern talking to about don't throw your one great love away Whitney, you will you will you will regret it and but whitney won't relent she's like no i made a promise to my sister before god and uh, i'm keeping my promise Um, she goes back in to talk to Simone and she doubles down again, saying, I don't love Chad. There's nothing between us and never will be. And Chad is watching while all of this happens. He's like in the doorway and can hear everything that Whitney is saying. He clearly is very hurt. Um, he comes out or Whitney comes out. They kind of argue a little bit, um, and Whitney, again, puts down her foot like, no, I made a promise to Simone. This is it. We're done. Chad then has an encounter with a random nurse. <laughs> this scene was strange. So dumb. This <laughs> nurse comes in and comes to Chad and tells him, hey, I couldn't help but over here. I don't know everything that's going on, but I'm just saying flowers couldn't hurt. A woman loves flowers. Women love flowers. Like, girl, what are you saying? What kind of Band-Aid solution is, it's not even a Band-Aid solution. It's like, I don't even know. She says, flowers are like chicken soup. Couldn't hurt. Huh? What? And flowers can hurt. People have allergies. So can, exactly. Chicken soup could hurt somebody with an allergy, right? Yeah, or like a vegan, they would find that very offensive. Yeah, yes. So, flowers are like chicken ho- soup. What? That's the worst metaphor I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Can't hurt. Okay, flowers can be like anything. Then flowers yeah. can be like grass. crayons. 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 <gasps> flowers are like crayons. Couldn't hurt. Actually, flowers are more like crayons because they come in different colors. That's true. So that's at least that. That at least kind of tracks a little bit more than chicken soup. Flowers are like light bulbs. Couldn't hurt. Flowers are like sweaters. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> flowers are like bread. Anything. Couldn't hurt. You couldn't like, say any, You could say anything. It's, it's so interchangeable. It's you know what? The metaphor is meaningless. Just like yeah. that scene. It, it, actually, it's incomplete. The metaphor is incomplete <laughs> because she didn't explain how how flowers are like chicken soup, right? She just said they couldn't hurt. Like that is that is that the metaphor? I thought that was the metaphor because it's incomplete. How? Because but now if it we want even less sense. But now I want to complete the metaphor. Now, <laughs> okay. is there a way to is there a way to bridge these two things together? Flowers are like chicken soup. They both have plants. I I don't know. Flowers are like chicken. Plants like you put vegetables in a chicken soup right oh yeah okay do you do you i mean yeah if you onions at least some i guess i feel like flowers are like chicken soup they you get flowers are like chicken soup it's something you give to people when they're sick huh okay that works okay but 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 Whitney isn't sick yeah but they are but still the the metaphor works kind the of. metaphor works, but now it doesn't make sense within the context of the scene well but i it was you never know going what? To make sense. this nurse was dumb, and I <laughs> all of the healthcare workers in this show are terrible because there was also a nurse I can't remember maybe Marge I can't remember what this nurse's name was, but basically when teresa was Teresa was like not in a coma at all she just would not she just refused to wake up and <laughs> This nurse was like, she's lost her will to live. You have to give her something to live for. Talking to Ethan, you have to kiss her. (laughs) Mm. You have to give her a reason to live. You have to tell her you love her. I don't like the sound of that at all. It was, like I said, the healthcare workers in this hospital are terrible. I I mean, and Eve is constantly sedating people. She killed Orville, which you don't know about Orville. Well, I don't know that Orville's dead, but she definitely hit him with her car. Well, I mean, might be dead, or at least in a coma. Somewhere. I'll never let anybody forget that. Well, and then he was in the hospital because she set fire to his fucking apartment. And he was in the hospital. Yes. yes. Yeah, she Eve, him? Eve does not need to have her license. She fe- set fire to his apartment or whatever. And he ended up in the hospital, and um, every time he tried to wake up, she would sedate him so that he couldn't wake up. Okay, what did he do to her? Like what she, he knew something. He knew like a secret that she was scared for it to come out. Um, and he, it turned out he didn't even really know that much. He was like senile, so she had done all this. So, you're going no to reason. ruin this man's life, continually sedate him, possibly killing him, run him over with your car. Like, what is wrong with you, lady? Justice for Orville. I will never forget what she did to Orville. I will never forget what she did to Orville. Never. So, you're telling me both TC and Eve have homicidal tendencies? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They belong together. You're right. Okay. <laughs> So let's keep going. I got way off track. So, so this nurse tells Chad to get some flowers for for what's this lady's name? Whitney. So he goes and gets some flowers. Comes back. Chad begs Whitney. <laughs> he begs Whitney to get back together with him, and to tell some on the truth. He says she'll be hurt at first, but she'll come around. Um, and then. He says, I love you, and I know you love me. And they hug, and she says, I love you, too. So now they're, like, back together, it seems. And she seems ready to tell Simone the truth. She's like, I know. How are we going to tell her? Like, she's going to be so broken. She's going to be upset. He's like, it's okay. Like, she'll get over it. (laughs) And then, and I told you that this was going to happen. I said this. Like, the... The flowers, the minute that nurse brought up flowers, I was like, Simone's gonna think the flowers are for her. Immediately intercept the flowers. Immediately. So, Simone gets her ass up out of bed. She gets up out of bed and starts walking. And remember, she got hit by a car. You would think that she has some broken bones or some shit that she wouldn't be able to be very mobile at this point. She got hit by a car last night. Her love gives her strength to wander (laughs) around the hospital. I guess so. So... (laughs) She gets up out of her bed and she sees Chad with the flowers. And she's like, oh my God, Chad, you shouldn't have. And she goes over to him, takes the flowers and they walk her back to her room. And um, Chad tries to tell her like, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't get these flowers for you. And you can see Whitney behind him like begging him not to say anything. And so they walk her back to her room and he tries to explain that the flowers aren't for her, but Whitney doesn't let him. She interrupts him and is like, Chad's just being shy. He bought you the most expensive bouquet. He really loves you. <laughs> like The most Whitney. expensive gas station flowers. Like no, no, They probably came from the hospital, to be fair. They probably came <laughs> from the hospital gift shop. Probably. Because but... he got back really fast when he went to go get those flowers. But yeah, the fact that Whitney did that bullshit, that was the point where I was like, come on, Whitney. Come on, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And you know what? Simone's strong enough to walk around. She's strong, maybe she's strong enough to hear the truth. Yeah, she's not. It doesn't seem like she's gonna have a heart attack or slip back into the coma if she's well enough to just wander around the hospital. So maybe she's strong enough to hear the truth. All right, let's. Uh, that's all that happened with them this week. Let's talk really quickly about Teresa and Ethan and Gwen. Um, there's not a ton going on here, but there are things being set in motion. The biggest thing is that Gwen, this poor woman, the the actress Natalie Z or Zay, I don't know how to say her name, but she, they give her nothing. They give her nothing on this show. She spends. She just looks so insane. They, she spends every scene alone in her room, like like shaking flowers and saying, "I'll get you, Teresa." And like, "I when is that tabloid going to run the story?" And she's like looking through all these tabloids, or looking through the tabloid, can't find the story. So, remember, she had called the tabloid in the first place and told them, like using like a voice changer, told them that Teresa was the one that sent the email. Well, she's looking through the tabloid, looking for the story, and it's not there. So, she wants to call the tabloid again. Um, And Rebecca comes in. Long story short, Rebecca doesn't want her to call the tabloid. I don't even, at this point, I'm not even completely sure what their fucking plan is because the wedding is tomorrow it is now the wedding is tomorrow so if the if the story is not running in the tabloid tonight or tomorrow then y'all's plan is all fucked up right like i don't understand rebecca Rebecca kept trying to keep her from calling the tabloid again because she was like no let the plan play out but the plan isn't working because they're not running the story so we need to figure out why they're not running the story and then get them to run the story so that by the time the wedding happens the story can be you know storying yeah it's crunch time like you don't want her to marry ethan you want it to happen on her wedding day that this whole story comes out well today's the day to figure that out but for some reason rebecca doesn't want um this girl gwen to call the tabloid again so Gwen does, whatever, Gwen does, Gwen gon' Gwen, right? Gwen gonna do what Gwen gonna do. Gwen does call them again, trying to figure out why they didn't run the story. The guy's like, well, we don't know anything about you. We can't run this story because we don't, we can't confirm that that email address is Teresa's. Unless you can explain to us or confirm to us how it's hers or explain to us how you know that that's her email address, then we can't run this story, basically and as gwen is like trying to explain to them rebecca pulls the cord on the on the phone i i just don't understand what she what the plot is it doesn't make sense because how's the story going to get out he literally expressed that he is not going to run this story unless he gets some more information about you so like what what are you doing i don't know anyway later Teresa and Sheridan, Ethan and Luis, go to like, the bridal shop to do their fittings, respectively, for the dress fittings and for the tux fittings, right? And um, while there, Sheridan calls um, Gwen. She calls Gwen and tells her, hey, I really need to see you. Can you come to, to the bridal shop? I'm, I'm here at Anna's shop, I think is what it's called. And Gwen comes right over. I, let me be clear. If my motherfucking best friend, first of all, first of all, shit, like, if I was Gwen, Sheridan would be on my shit list, period. And here's why. These two people are supposed to be best friends. How the hell you are having a double wedding with the person that I was supposed to get married to? Like, how the hell are you, like, and then you expect me to be your maid of honor at a double wedding with where you're getting married to the brother of the man who from my perspective the girl who stole my my fiance from me from my perspective and she's also getting married to the man i was supposed to get married to how the fuck i know i that shit i if i was gwen hotchkiss sheridan crane would be on my shit list period yeah there's no possible way that i would have any positive feelings towards you anymore and you know i hate teresa you know i hate teresa i like why would you bring me so she calls her to come over here and doesn't tell her that teresa's there doesn't tell her that she's doing her dress fitting she just says i need to talk to you can you come over to this dress shop she shows up of course teresa's there in her fucking wedding dress like I'm no fan of Gwen, I am no Gwen fan, but this was some bullshit I Probably like if is. i i I didn't feel bad for Gwen per se, but i if I were Gwen, I would be pissed i like I understand if but I would be mad, I mean, I would be mad at Teresa, but I would be mad at Sheridan. We're supposed to be best friends. What yeah. the fuck are you doing? because it's one thing for somebody I don't like, and we are not friends like we're not friends to do something bad like it's it's one thing for that, but for you to be my friend best friend oh best friend allegedly and do something like that because i've never seen these two girls interact ever but like you know whoever's supposed to be my best friend and you do that like what what is wrong with you like (laughs) i don't know it's just a scummy thing from her perspective. it's so scummy it is so scummy i'm sorry and oh damn i did say i was wasn't gonna do any shared and slander but there's some bullshit no, and, I, you and, said, and it's really not Sheridan slander. I'm just saying, if I were Gwen, I would be pissed at Sheridan. You said that you wouldn't do any Sheridan slander, but you said you would give critiques. This is a critique. Not this slander. is a legitimate critique. This yeah. is bad friend. Like, you're being a very bad friend to, to Gwen yeah. right now. I'm sorry. Because honestly, the fact that you're even doing this double wedding with Teresa in the first place is like problem number one. Mm-hmm. Problem number one. I don't understand the appeal. I really don't no and we've talked about it at length on the podcast at this point about how dumb a double wedding is (laughs) like how stupid a a double wedding is and like how it's such a a trope throughout a lot of soap operas and by a lot of soap operas i mean the two that i've really watched and that's passions and days of our lives but i assume it's a trope in other soap operas too if you had a nickel if you, had, I'd have two nickels, but kind of weird that I got that it happened twice, right? Yeah. Have you heard that sound? Yeah, I have heard it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, anyway, Gwen comes over. She is startled, to say the least, to see Teresa there in her wedding gown. Teresa doesn't think anything of of Gwen being there. She is like she don't even care. Then they do like their little like ha ha ha. We're we're Just girls, girls being, (laughs) girls being, girls being girls. Like, you know, just the, there was a lot of like wedding stuff in this that I was like, ugh, I'm okay. I don't like this. Making you nauseous? Not nauseous, but definitely like bored. (laughs) I know I didn't like it. I was definitely bored. Um, And then the guys come in and the girls run away. Oh my gosh, they can't see us in our dresses and it's dumb and who cares. Um, so that's basically it. Um, they didn't, then didn't go to their rehearsal, wedding rehearsal and Ethan asks Kay, Kay, cause um like a lot of the kids come to just like watch, they're excited about what's going on. And Ethan sees Kay, Jessica's not there cause Jessica's at work, baby. Jessica's always at work. But he says Got to her. Kay, I would really appreciate it if you and Jessica would be involved in the ceremony. You are my sisters now, after all, and I want us to get to know each other. And I thought that was so that was one moment from Ethan this week that I was like, "I that's sweet. And I loved it. Yeah, that he, was wholesome. He's like starting to embrace his his family, the, the Bennett side of his family. I, and especially those girls, like you might feel some type of way about Sam but those girls those are your sisters and they didn't do anything to you they yeah, didn't they didn't ask for the this they're as innocent in the situation as you are yeah. and yeah like and you were also happy that charity, uh charity was left out oh yeah he didn't, he didn't mention he didn't mention charity at all because <laughs> i mean and to his credit charity is not related to him <laughs> like she's related to grace great she's no. grace's niece so she, oh, so she not blood, you know, that's not his, that's not his family. He was like, uh, he just ignored her entirely and I loved it. <laughs> and another thing is Charity had her first line in these five episodes. Like, I don't remember what it was. She like barely said anything. And then you were just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so funny cause that was her first line. She has not been talking. She has been shutting up <laughs> and she needs to stay that way. <laughs> Oh, oh, I can't so stand cute. her. I, I can't stand her. But yeah, do you have anything to add with the Ethan, Gwen, Teresa wedding stuff? Do you stuff? remember when Teresa asked Sheridan the question? Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked it out. I was not expecting that to come out of her mouth. Okay. So do you want to tell it or shall I? I think you probably have more accurate notes on it. So I'll let you tell it. I don't think I have any notes on it, girl. I was... Okay, well, I, th- well, I, I have one now. note. I have oh, okay. one note, and the note says, Teresa and Sher- Sheridan go for their dress fitting, and Teresa asks Sheridan about going on birth control. <laughs> and this then Sheridan is- tells her to talk to Father Lon again and a doctor. But that's not the, that's not the whole gist of the whole she thing. She was like, um... She, Teresa was like I need your advice Ethan and I both want to start a family but we don't have the money and I don't want to go against the church's teachings on birth control and then she says I just want to be a good Catholic but I also want to be responsible and I was just like this is so this is just so much just right I here. will say it went in a different direction than I thought it was gonna go I was like Because I was like, wait, what are we we doing here? Yeah, at first I thought she was just going to, like, well, let's just have a baby anyway. Like, that's where I kind of thought it was going. I, yeah, I wasn't sure where it was going. I thought, well, I think I thought that it was about to be, like, this rant against birth control. Yeah, kind of like something like that. Like, oh, birth control is just so evil and bad. Like, I thought it was going to be something like that but sheridan tells her sheridan gives her decent advice she says i think you should talk to father lon about it okay and if you're thinking about going on birth control a doctor talk to a doctor yeah talk to a professional yeah and then teresa her conclusion is that she's going to go on birth control like she's making the decision and she's just going to go to confession afterwards and just like confess her sins and be absolved of it and you know what great great yeah yeah Yeah, because i feel like yeah yeah, that she came to a good decision i was scared for a minute because i was like what are y'all getting ready to do but yeah that that makes sense to me yeah i like that for her i like that we got there and you know what actually at first when it first came up i was like what the fuck are we doing here passions like i was about to get mad and get on my (laughs) soapbox but then i think they i honestly for like 2001 i think they handled that well yeah they handled it well like it was like a little bit of a PSA moment, but it was, it. I, I, I like what, I honestly, I ended up liking what they did. It was reasonable. I, yeah. Okay. Fair. Came out of total left field, but yeah. you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Um, so that's all I have for them. That's all you have for them? Um. Yeah, that's it okay so we're gonna move on let's quickly talk about so i'm gonna lump troubled marriages and magic together this week um so first of all there is a mysterious stranger lurking around um the bennetts at this point he came from that island he's got an accent i want to say australian i don't know um he's supposedly a photographer uh he goes and he checks into the the B after lurking around at Tabitha's house where he has like been spying on Grace. And Grace has been getting all of these like feelings of danger. She's like, I just feel that there is danger afoot. I just feel like we're in danger. Um, Sam continues to like negate her feelings. He kind of tells her, um, that everything's fine now ivy's leaving ivy's decided to leave us alone and um we're everything's gonna be fine and but she feels like there, there's danger around that's what i'm trying I'm, that's all i'm trying to get to anyway um this mysterious stranger is just lurking and yeah he finally checks into the B and B, and jessica checks him in shows him to his room and then as he's unpacking we see him unpacking a gun he has a tiny little gun yes smallest gun known to man and he sees um he he asks jessica to stay at his room for a moment he's like i just have something i want to discuss with you and then grace gets a vision of jessica screaming and this gun being pulled on her and so she's like flipping out she's like my baby's in trouble i have to go like let me go check my baby and sam like stops her which was weird um but eventually they both go over to the B, and jessica is fine jessica tells them like no yeah i was just helping this new guy into his room and he's nice and blah 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 whatever and it's just so weird that like i know eventually like um i know eventually sam is okay with her going But it's just so weird that he was, like, really, really trying to talk her down. And it's like, one, the bed and breakfast is so close. It's not like you have to go all the way across town. It's next door. You know Grace has these visions and stuff. Like, you know she sees things. Like, what's up with these dudes? And, like, oh, you're just crazy. Like, like the same thing with Charity and Miguel. Like, what is that? It is the exact same dynamic for sure yeah they yeah they I don't know I you don't just know need to that lay that down is. you're you're just crazy you're Stop just crazy you're just crazy <laughs> <laughs> oh crazy old grace yeah um so yeah that all happens um let's talk about Tabitha and timmy and all the magic and everything um Tabitha has timmy sew her head back on that's what we pick up with them this week She. her head is Back on, but it's not sewn sewn on. So Timmy does that with a needle and thread. Reese is suspicious of Tabitha, keeps calling her a witch to her face. Everybody's like, Whoa, dude, you are way out of line, but he will not relent. He's like, No, she's a fucking witch. And I I'm he's like willing to die on this hill, literally. Yeah. And um we just do a lot of back and forth around the, the shenanigans around Tabitha being a witch and Reese accusing her. Um also, my probably my second favorite moment of the week, or not just moment, but my favorite, second favorite thing about the week is Kay attempting to turn over a new leaf. Oh, I yeah. love this. I love this. Because she just keeps having to say to herself, I'm going to be good. 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 Like, I have to be good. I have to be good. <laughs> Like she I just love that she can't go 10 seconds without reminding herself that she's gonna be good. Like, you know, like no, nope, no bad thoughts, no bad things. I gotta keep my soul clean. I yeah, don't wanna it. lose my soul again. I just got this soul. I can't break my soul. <laughs> I can't break my soul. <laughs> she no, she gotta keep, keep it clean. Yeah. She got to keep her soul clean. So anyway, that's what's going on with her. She just keep kind of trying to remind herself that she can be good and that she's not going to go after Miguel anymore. At one point, Tabitha recognizes what's going on with Kay and tries to get her to – she's just like, I always thought that the two of you would make a lovely couple – And that's my best Tabitha. Leave me alone. No, it was was not. (laughs) Better than what I could do. And she's like, oh, to think, dear, dearie, I can't believe that you're giving up on him. And, you know, just and Kay says, you know, Miguel's in love with Charity. Charity's in love with Miguel. I'm going to I have to let it go. I have to let it go. I, I'm proud of my girl K. I know it doesn't stick, but I like this moment of her at least trying. Yeah, I, I, it makes it helps me. It helps me to root for her more because, because, because you know she's trying. I already, cause if I'm being honest, I've already kind of been rooting for her in her badness in the bad things that she does. Like I don't agree with the tactics like at all, but I want her to win over charity right she's just a more likable character he is likable the word well i don't know (laughs) compared to compared to your just hatred yeah charity i don't know that k is i feel like i find k more relatable than charity charity's not relatable because she's like because they're trying Yeah, well, yes, a beacon of goodness, but they're trying to make us, the viewer, believe that she is flawless, right? Like, that she is this perfect being. And there is, I don't think there's anything more irritating or frustrating than, like, Little Miss Perfect. Yeah, it is really irritating, you Um, know? Also, I think, I mean, just, like, on the whole, uh, Kay is definitely way more entertaining to watch than Charity, Mm -hmm. maybe that's what it is maybe she's not more likable maybe she's more relatable and more entertaining that's 100% what it is which is definitely a reason to root for her yeah so so her at least trying to be good makes it easier to root for her right knowing that she's trying she's and she is she's trying really hard she's really trying and that, that it's like just... it's actually painful for her like it physically hurts for yeah. her to like not chase after miguel and scheme and plot and you know yeah so i am I'm, I'm okay she's trying to turn over a new leaf but we all know this ain't gonna stick um so... the whole tree is rotten the kids then start talking about like their school trip, which I don't understand what time of the year it is. Like, is this an end of year school trip? Is this the beginning of the year school trip? What kind of trip? I don't understand, But because they haven't been to school. I haven't seen these kids at school since episode 197 or something like that. Like these kids have not been to school. So where, where are we in the school year? Is this a senior trip? Is this... I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, they start talking about where they want to go for their school trip. It's like these kids are constantly at like trips and parties, but never in a classroom. Never at school. Um, and... Where is the truancy officer? Listen, like we just talked about, they, they let anybody on this force... <laughs> at the the Harmony PD, no training whatsoever. No, they don't have a truancy officer, and they don't even know goes what that for word the healthcare System too. Oh yeah, no, they probably just let any old person walk in and be yeah. a doctor. If you're willing to live in Harmony, you can work at the hospital. You can be a nurse. Yeah. You can be anything in Harmony. <laughs> yeah, you can be anything, just like Barbie. <laughs> Hi Barbie. Um, <laughs> Hi Barbie. So. <laughs> Where was I? Something about these kids and this trip. Oh, yeah. so they're at Tabitha's house looking at these giant maps. They all had these enormous maps trying to decide where they wanted to go on this trip, which was just odd to me. I don't know why it was so weird to me that they're looking at maps to figure out where they want to go. I was like, what is it that you're looking for on the map? No, like, do you not know? Because... Yeah, do you not know like general places around the area like you yeah, all yeah. they live in a suburb of boston so i imagine they know of some places around off the coast but i guess they didn't yeah and it's so weird to look at a map because a map is not really meant for finding like travel locations not in that kind of way it's like more how do you get there but it's not like Oh, let's like see what's cool around here. Let's look at this map that doesn't have any sort of like vacation spot map marked on it or anything. And uh, and on top of that, as often, as often as Reese brings up his stupid ass little uh, palm pilot computer <laughs> and he's always looking up shit on his little computer, y'all couldn't y'all couldn't ask Reese, "Hey Reese, look up some travel destinations in the around the area for us." Instead of looking at maps and atlases, yeah like it was obviously this was obviously just like a really messy plot device to get us to the next thing we're getting ready to talk about, but they could yeah. have, they could have done a little better, I feel like but. it was a mess, but finally, charity lands on a an island nearby called Warlock Island. No, thank you. warlock island no thank you and immediately sam is like oh do y'all really want to go there there's been a lot of rumors about this island and but then he's like but the rumors did die down years ago so i'm sure it's fine for y'all to go but do you feel don't you think the rumors died down years ago because people stopped going to the island yeah maybe also people stopped going to the island i'm not trying to go anywhere that has like a bunch of rumors about it Like, enough for you to bring it up, like... Yeah, and like, this spooky story that goes along with it. Yeah, and just the name itself, Warlock Island, might as well call it Death Island. Yeah! He explains the, the history that people learn about the island and why it's, like, so creepy. And basically, he says that there were these four warlocks who were trying to take over the whole eastern seaboard and trying to spread their evil. And there was a witch who gave them the wrong scepters for this, like, um, ritual that they were doing. And when they cast their spells, they exploded and went to a different dimension. It's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. It's, the, it's some of the dumbest stuff I've ever heard on this show. Y'all couldn't have come up with a better story than that? No that that's the story of how warlock island got its name warlocks oh, didn't, it say, didn't it say some nights you can still hear their screaming souls or something like that yeah and they're in a, but they're in a different dimension so how can they even get to you yeah so it it seems like it's i guess kind of safe but like i don't know i wouldn't want to go there if i heard <laughs> that story i'd be like i'm steering i'm steering clear of that place Well, I'm sure y'all have all figured out that Tabitha was the witch on the island that gave them the wrong scepters and made them explode into a different dimension. It is unclear if she did it on purpose or not. Okay, so the kids have settled on Warlock Island. It's unclear, it's unclear what's going to happen. uh, Tabitha at one point tells Timmy that them going to the island is going to be a bigger disaster than the skiing trip, the camping trip, and the prom boat disaster all rolled up into one. So I'm interested to see because they're hyping it the fuck up. Because they, I mean, I don't know how they're gonna top the prom boat. That was that shit was nuts. I wish I could have seen it. And the skiing was like an avalanche, you know. The camping trip, they got trapped down inside of that mine mine shaft, and then that's when Hecuba came into to our whole storyline so it's been a lot the all of those rolled into one is massive so i'm interested to see what's on this warlock island honestly yeah, um, sure. tabitha later this is the last thing i want to talk about well it's two things one charity keeps having a vision of a raven and two cross scepters we don't get any information about that that's just a, a, a thing that she's seeing Later we see Tabitha's doing like horoscope charts and it's really confusing. She doesn't say anything. And she thinks that the chart she's looking at is like charities and this person is doomed and there's all of this doom and gloom. And then Timmy looks at it and is like, Tabby, this isn't charities, this is your horoscope. And she's like, oh my goodness, Timmy, you're right, we're doomed to kaboom." we're doomed to kabo- doomed to kaboom is what she says hilarious we're yes. doomed to kaboom but then she turns it another way and she's like no actually it's Jessica who's doomed oh wait no it's Teresa oh wait everybody's doomed including us like, like thanks for telling us absolutely nothing everyone's doomed all the time it's passions yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so that's it for the week you got anything to add uh no I think all that's right. Everything. Well, remember, everybody, you can always catch me on social media. Like I said at the beginning of the show, absolutely everything is linked in the description in our link tree. So you can just click on that link tree and it'll send you to all of the different links. You can watch episodes of the of Passions. You can um, follow all of the social medias. You can buy merch. You can leave a tip, you can join the Patreon. And with that, you are my passion for life.